I heard about uh, a uh, 90 year old, 95 year old man. He was calling his wife all these great names, dear, honey, sweetheart, precious. And some younger person walked up and said, I really, really appreciate that. That's so wonderful. He said, to tell you the truth, I just forgot her name about 15 years ago. <laughs> I heard one couple got married when they were so old, they set up their uh, registry at the local pharmacy. So, We're looking at Exodus chapter 7. I'm going to have a few verses on the screen. We'll read actually our text will be in numbers, but it'll be on the screen. Uh, we're going to eventually go to Exodus chapter 7. We're talking about the plagues, and this is our first one. And it took us quite a few weeks to introduce the plagues, and now we're going to look at the first one. The Exodus means a way out. It was a way for the Israelites to get out of bondage. And you know what Jesus is? a way for us to get out of the bondage of sin. Amen. Why do we sin as, as Christians? Because we want to. Feels good, it's fun, but we don't have to. We're not slaves to sin. A.T. Robertson, the great scholar, talked about Peter's verse where Peter says men wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And he explained the meaning of that word moved in the original language and said it's like a log going downstream. That's his word picture on it. In other words, it has no control over where it's going. And when God impressed upon the 40 men of the Bible, including Moses, who Jesus said wrote this, when God spoke to them, he inspired them, he breathed on them, they had no control. They did what God said to do. I love that. I've often wondered why God doesn't make me do that, do everything he says by direct command. But uh, he wants me to make the choice to love him and serve him. But these plagues, of course, uh, cover a period of nine months. God will use ten plagues and a hard heart for the Egyptians to know he's the one true God. The first three plagues were, is, is where Aaron used his rod. The next three, they didn't use a rod. And the next three, Moses used his rod. And uh, it's interesting because the rod is, is seen by us as an instrument of chastisement and comfort. With his rod and his staff, he comforts me. But he also chastens us, and he would guide sheep with the rod, and he's using the rod, uh, God's using the rod to direct these men and to direct Israel. The first and the a plague of each division, the first, fourth, and the seventh plague would be in the morning, morning plagues. What a way to start out your day. And uh, the plagues, of course, would prove he is God above all the other false gods. Ramses thought he was a god. And they had the gods of the Nile. And the god of this world is Satan. And God would humiliate all them in this, in this great work. So let's stand and read. Uh, we're going to read Numbers chapter, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Numbers chapter 33 and verse 4, you can stay in Exodus 7. Here it simply says, The Egyptians buried all their firstborn, which the Lord had smitten among them. Upon their gods also the Lord executed judgment. God judged their gods, humiliated their gods, showing they were powerless. I'm so thankful I love and he loves me way more than I've ever loved him. The one true God. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ. God bless us. 
as we take a look in your book for a walk in the world, that, Lord, we would glow, glow, excuse me, grow closer to you, glow for you, and go for you. That we'll be people who will please you in everything we say and do. Bless us, Lord. Help us to forget our past and press towards the mark as we have a fresh new start today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're looking at Exodus chapter 14, and uh, we're going to look at several other verses. I'm going to point out several things. The plagues didn't affect everyone. Some plagues affected just the Egyptians, the last six, but some affected the Israelites. In chapter uh, 9 and verse 4, it says, And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Egypt and the cattle of Israel, and nothing of Israel should die. And of course, you know, the firstborn only affected the Egyptians. And in uh, chapter uh, 10, in verse, I'm going to read chapter 10 in verse 23 here. <clears throat> Another verse about this, how he just judged the, the Egyptians sometimes. It says, they saw not one another, neither, neither rose um, any from his place for three days, but the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. So Egypt was dark, but Israel had light. And we find some of these plagues affected different people, and, but didn't affect all the people. I know that um, the Egyptian gods were demonically inspired. There are demons today at work. All false gods are just fallen demons. There's only one true God. You know that. We hear all this stuff about UFOs. These are demons. Uh, there has to be an answer for when we're raptured out. And the answer is going to be the aliens came and got them. Because we're taken in one twinkling of an eye, that's one one hundredth of a second. We're gone. And they won't see it. They'll find our clothing and our goods and, and they'll have to scramble to have an answer. And the whole world will unite and say, oh, we've been saying there's life on other planets. We've been searching for that life. Oh, I, I, I love NASA, don't get me wrong, but there's not life on other planets. And they talk about being on Mars. It'll take hundreds of years to get to Mars just think of the first load of bricks you got to get up there. I mean, how dumb can you be? That the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, and they have foolish answers. But anyway, back to our text. We're going to look at the Word of God here in verse 14. Then we'll look at the action of uh, Moses and Aaron, and then the action of Pharaoh. It says here in verse 14, and the Lord. Now, that's L-O-R-D, all capitals. So that's Yahweh. You know that. L with small, small O-R-D would be Adonai. This is Yahweh, and we know who that is. I, I love uh, Psalm 68, 18. I'm already deviating going there. It says in Psalm 68, 18, Thou shalt ascend on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. Who is the Lord? Who is Yahweh? Who is the fourth person in the fiery furnace? Jesus, the captain of Joshua's army, Jesus. He's the I am of the old. Before Abraham was, he said, I am. So we have to talk just for a moment about that to mention that. I love uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, someone said, uh, <clears throat> asked me a question years ago and said, Pastor, you said he's the firstborn of all those created. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. All those, excuse me, all those resurrected. He said, wait a minute, Pastor. There were other people resurrected before him. How is he the firstborn? And of course, the cults take that word firstborn and talk about Bethlehem. And that's not at all what it means, is it? It's the, the Greek word protupos, our word prototype. 
What's a prototype? It's the first of its kind. You see, when Jesus rose again, he rose incorruptible. He had no sin. Lazarus went on sinning. And Elijah and Elisha raised people, but they weren't raised to immortality and incorruption. They did eventually die again. And so thank God for Jesus, the prototype of our resurrection. One day we'll be raised just like him. I'll be happy to leave old Dan behind. They'll look in the casket and say, oh, doesn't he look good with that formaldehyde and his veins and that makeup on his face? No, I won't look good. I'll be dead. And they'll talk about me as though I had never sinned. Oh, I need a great guy. I hope somebody says that. Maybe they may spit on me. I don't know. <laughs> but the truth is, we're just mortal people. We're fallen creatures. And even when God has to take me once in a while and break me and remold me, I have to be broken. Why? Because I get proud. You see, you get proud every day. The pride of life, I mean, we struggle with that, don't we? The lust of the flesh, the world, the effect of the world on our lives, and I'm way off the subject. But anyway, he says here, back in our text, in verse 16, the Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me. He said, that's what you say. That's what you say. The Lord God. In verse 17, thus saith the Lord, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Ramses is going to learn something. And all the gods of the Nile are going to learn something. Something I learned a long time ago, that he's Lord. And he's in control. And he's sovereign. I love that. I love 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that you may know. If you're doubting, get in the Bible and you'll know he is everything that you ever need. He's the water that causes you to never have to thirst again. I love that about Jesus. He's everything. And he says here, I'll smite. So God is saying he would do it even though we see Aaron use the rod. Sometimes we like to look at people. Now, oh, isn't he a great man of God? And look what he does. No, it's what the Lord does. I'm just a rod and I'm not even a hot rod. He is everything. We are nothing. I, I've said this before. If we all knew each other's hearts and minds, no one would have showed up today. I'm not going to that place. Not with those people. Aren't you thankful that it's the Lord in us that makes us valuable? A pearl, a, the pearl of great price. But anyway, I think of all the great water miracles in the Bible. You know, the three times at least that the Jordans parted by Elijah and Elisha and Joshua and the Red Sea parted by Moses. And those two great rock miracles where water came from the rock and, and the bitter water made sweet and, and the, the drought and the downpours and the axe head floating and the calming and walking on the Red Sea. I mean, it doesn't get any better than these miracles of water. And here now we'll have water turned into wine. No, excuse me, into blood. In the New Testament, we're studying the miracles on Wednesday night. They turned water into wine. The blood spoke of the law and death, didn't it? The law. And the blood spoke of death and the law. Without the shedding of blood, Leviticus 17, 11, there's no remission of sins. And we know wine speaks of grace and joy. And so here he's going to turn the water into blood. What a miracle. We see the blood in the first plague, and we see it in the tenth plague. Uh, we see blood prophetically. I want you to look back at Job. I thought this was interesting. 
Job chapter 21. I didn't put this on the screen. I want you to mark your Bibles. And so it might be on the screen. Is it on the screen? Yes, it is. I apologize. But still turn there and mark your Bible. Job chapter 21. And I just thought this was amazing. Job. Job lived 3,500 years ago. About 400 years before Christ, a man named Hippocrates, Hippocrates, said there was blood and, and there was something inside of the bone. It's 400 years before Christ. In 1868, a guy by the name of Newman, not the guy on Steinfeld, but a guy named Newman said, there's blood inside the bone, blood marrow. Isn't that interesting? Job, a thousand years before it was first discovered, said it in the Bible. Now, what does that tell you? 21, 24, the last half. His bones are moistened with marrow. How would Job know that when no one else knew it? The medical world didn't know it. The medical world wasn't developed. How would he know that? Because God breathed on him and said, write this down. See? There's a little apologetics for you. How many times we find these things in Scripture? John Hopkins, reading his Bible, said, well, washing in bowls and using a clean towel, they're still dying. We still got gangrene. But he read Leviticus, running water cleanses. And he said, let's start using running water. And he discovered that law of prophylactics, which we think about, you know, a prevention of pregnancy and all that, but there's a whole lot more to that law. He discovered that reading his Bible. Isn't that something? How, how did Moses know that? He didn't. John didn't know what he saw when he wrote the vision of Revelation. I want to give you a little of this each week to strengthen your faith. We don't need this. We have faith in the book. Amen? I, but, but it's nice to have it, isn't it? I love what Billy Graham said. If the Bible said Jonah swallowed the well, I'd believe it. And I would too. Because I believe this book is the word of God. And so here, here we have the blood. We see the blood again, contaminated rivers in Revelation chapter 8, verse 8. The first half of the tribulation period, the vile judgments, God, God will cause the rivers to be turned into blood. Revelation 8, 8 says the rivers became blood. Then Revelation 16, in the vile judgments, again, the rivers would become blood. The tribulation period is not going to be fun. I'm not going to be here. If you're lost, you'll be here. And just like the Egyptians had to dig down in the sand to get water to drink for a week, they had to dig down to get water. Think of that. <clears throat> and so here we find Egypt, and they had water issues anyway. You know, Israel, we're told, when they found the promised land, it'd be a place of uh, honey and, and milk and honey, a wonderful place. And, and they have discovered water under the soil. It's fascinating when you go to Israel and you drive down the border of Jordan on the Israeli side, it's all the deserts all blooming. They've discovered water under the soil. The Bible said it would be there. It's prophetic. Then you go over to the Jordan side and you drive down the border and all it is is barren and dry. You know, it's amazing. God had this place for his people, a place that would have water and have the things they needed. But the Nile was a place that received divine honors. It was worship. They had the god Hapai, which also called Apis, the god of the Nile. And then they had the goddess of the Nile, Isis. And then they had Noom, the, the ram god, the guardian of the Nile, and all these gods. And, and, and where are these gods today, by the way? No one worships these anymore. 
Isn't it amazing you look back at Baal and all the gods of the, the past. You can study history and find all these false gods in ancient times. And none of them are worshipped today. Why? Because they're just false gods. They're just demons. They, they did their thing when people were dumb enough to believe it. And then when things like this happened, people lost faith in those gods. And that's what happened to the Egyptians. Do you know there's a large element of Christian people in Egypt today? And God's had his foot in there, amen? And a lot of them believe in Jesus. And going way back to this time, this spoke to some Egyptians and said, this God of Israel is real. In fact, even the magicians said, we can't copy this anymore. This is a, out of our, we're not, this is not our pay grade. I'm sorry, Pharaoh, we can't emulate, we can't copy that. Only our God could do that. And this is called a mighty act, seven times here in the text. And then God says to Aaron, take thy rod. And now the time of July and August would make it worse because it was flood season. You can imagine turning the water into blood. And some have said, well, there's this natural discoloring when the silt washed downstream and the, the Nile would turn red and maybe that's what it's talking about. No, the Hebrew word is clearly blood. And the fish died. They didn't die when the silt washed downstream, but they died here. A big part of their food supply. The Egyptians wouldn't eat salty fish. They said that they were, they were evil. It was evil to eat salty fish. So, so here's the, the water turning into blood. And in verse 19, it said even their vessels of stone and wood were, were turned to blood. Even the water they'd gathered, the pure drinking water, turned to blood. Everything turns to blood. What an object lesson. Here the Lord smites the river and blood flows. The same word smitten is used in Isaiah 53, same Hebrew word. He was smitten for us. You know what happened? It's Passover. When they killed the lamb, what happened? Blood flowed and they had blood all over the basin and a puddle of blood in the doorway. And then when Jesus went to Calvary, he was smitten and blood flowed. Here's a type. You see Jesus in every book of the Bible. Here's one of the many times you see him in Genesis. God smites the river and the blood flows. And God allowed his son to be smitten. And God put him on the cross. Jesus said, I really don't want to go to the cross. And God said, I want you to. And he said, because you say I should, I will, Lord. And he obeyed even to the death of the cross. He didn't want to suffer that agony. He was fully human, yet without sin. But he didn't want to suffer that agony, but he had to. This God gave his only son, and he had to drink that cup of punishment. And so here now, uh, we find this repeated over on Asaph says in Psalm 78, he says, he turned their rivers into blood. David says in Psalm 105, he turned their rivers into blood and slew their fish. What a, what a horrible thing to happen. And the action of Moses was to do what he was told to do. He and Aaron were obedient. Aaron would build a golden calf one day. But here he's obedient. Moses would smite the rock a second time rather than speak to it. Yet here he's obedient. You know, you know what I love about the Bible? <laughs> when I get discouraged because of stupid things I've done, I'll find someone in the Bible that did the same thing. I'm like, wow, there's still hope for me. <laughs> Years ago, I had a lady come forward in our church in Okinawa. She was a broken lady. And she said, you know, uh, I'd had an abortion. 
and she's just broken. She's crying. And I said to her, God's grace is sufficient. He died for you too. And she just could, could put her hope and faith. And I said, you know what? You got pregnant out of wedlock. I understand that. But let me tell you something. God's grace is sufficient. And you can be the virtuous woman. You think of this. Think of the virtuous woman passage. Most scholars believe it was written about Bathsheba. She wasn't raped. She was a willing participant. And she's a virtuous woman. If you've robbed a bank or been a drug addict or, 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 or been down and out and, and you've done the worst of things, you still can be everything God wants you to be. His grace is sufficient. He's God. And if I told you my past, you wouldn't think I should be up here. I'm not going to go into some things I did, but I'm sure you can hear stories if you went to my hometown. Uh, and you would be able to find out some stuff about me that would embarrass me. And I don't believe in going over all that with you, but I know this. God takes us no matter what. He uses us. He uses us. I'm always shocked. You know, why would you call me to preach? Of all the smart people you could call, in all the people who came with a cleaner track record and a better resume, you call me? What are you doing, God? And I'm sure God gets tired of that. Because what that is, is doubting God's ability to change me and utilize me to use me. Some of you think, well, I can't do anything in the church. Really, why? Amen. Well, you know, I, 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 was, I, I, was, I killed someone. Simon was a zealot. You know what the zealots did? They snuck down at night with knives and slit the Romans' throats and then hid, scrambled up back to the Masada so the Romans couldn't get them. God called Simon the zealot. <laughs> you know, and after being saved, look at all the things Peter did. God had to say, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Peter, I mean, the Catholic Church says he's infallible, and he's the first pope, and he never married, but he, he had a mother-in-law. Figure that out. And you know what I was about to say. I'm not going to say that. I said it before about the mother-in-law thing. But God uses Peter, a common fisherman. A common fisherman. And you look at the 12, and you think, Matthew was corrupt. He was one of those tax collectors. He stole from people. He even said, I'll, I'll pay back everything I've taken. And God can use you. You say, I'm not very smart. You think those fishermen were really highly intelligent? No, I'm not saying fishermen are dumb. I love to fish. But I'm saying God uses us no matter what if we're willing vessels. And so, we find now the reaction of Pharaoh. The magicians copied everything. Janus and Jambres copied everything. In Revelation chapter 13, we find two beasts, the, the Antichrist and the false prophet there, right? Excuse me, the uh, Antichrist and the beast there. And guess what they're doing in the tribulation period? They're working miracles. And, and the text actually says they actually gave breath to people. 
But my scholars taught me this about that word. That Greek word translated life there is really the word normally translated breath. They do not use the word bios or word biology, which means life. Why? Only God can give life. He's the author of life. You know, these, these satanic trinity, it could imitate God's things, but could never really do what God could do. And, and so, the, even in Revelation 13, when they're, they're doing all the miracles, they're never able to match God. And when Moses and Elijah are killed, they stand back up. And again, God defeats the enemy. He's always defeating the enemy. I can't wait until he raptures us and he binds Satan for a thousand years and we come back and rule and reign without the devil. Can you imagine this world? I hate this world now. As I'm getting older, I'm thinking, love not the world. How could anybody love this place? The things of the world I'm getting to where they don't please me very much either. My dad got a new car and we drove to Florida. First brand new car he'd had since married and having seven kids. You know, we're driving in our new New York, Chrysler, New Yorker. And bam, someone broadsides it. Can't open the doors, all smashed in. And he was like, I get a new car and look what happens. I don't think dad cares about the car now. He's in glory. The things of this world don't bring in that peace and joy, but he sure does. And so here, the enemies can perform miracles. In verse 22, they do. Back in our text, in verse 22, it says here, And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And again, he didn't do what the Lord said. A week, and he doesn't change. He, he just toughs it out, and they got the soil from the water. It lasted seven days. You know, God is greater than all the evil in this world. And boy, we have an evil world. Yeah, I was listening to the head of Health and Human Services, and I wanted to vomit this week. He's had the surgery, and, and God would save him too, okay? If, if we have someone like that come, what do we do? We love on them. We're a grace church. But he was talking about how we need to educate America so they realize that these people, you know, aren't harmful and all that stuff. And he was going into all this stuff, how great it is for people to be able to get these changes done and all that. And I'm just in my car. Of course, I changed the channel after a few moments, but I thought to myself, boy, when Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom, it's not going to be like that. Our God is the one true God. Do you know him today? Do you know Jesus today? You know, Billy Graham said one time, I don't know if I agree with it, half the people in the church aren't saved. I have someone I know, a person that I question their salvation because of the hardness of their heart and the fact that there's no fruit in their life and that always causes me to think, is this person really born again? You know people like that, don't you? That profess Christ. Some of them even go to church, but do they really know him? And that's always a question. But ultimately we win. But right now, guess what? We're in spiritual warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And we know the one word has to do with our brain. And what does the devil always do? He pumps stuff into our head. Says this and says that and gets us to believe it. And what are we supposed to do? Gird up the loins of our mind. This week I'm praying. In fact, it was yesterday. I said, Lord, help those thoughts not to plague me. 
And then I quote out loud scriptures. I remind the devil he's going to be bound for a thousand years and ultimately cast into the lake of fire. I say it to him. Because I want him to flee. He or his demon who's ever putting these thoughts in my mind. And I quote the blood. And I say man should not live by bread alone. I quote the verse Jesus quoted that sent him packing. It's a battle with me every day. Some people want to have this great one-time experience and everything's okay. Like the guy I knew in chapel years ago, he went forward. He says, I'm no longer going to do this and that. And the next week he's doing it again. Why? It's a daily battle. You're going to carry a cross whether you like it or not. You better just pick it up and carry it because you're going to have it. And why does Paul call it agonizing in Romans 12, 1 and 2? The Greek word agon. It's tough, folks. And I'm going to always reiterate that it's a day-by-day battle to you, so you get it someday. And you have one big experience isn't going to change it for you. It's good to pray and come to the altar. I'm not saying that. I have my times where I break down and I weep. And that is really good for my soul to have a time like that with God. Don't misunderstand me. It's wonderful to have that. But guess what? The next day, old Dan's still hanging on to old new Dan or new Dan. Old man is still here. I still got a battle with him. I still got a battle out there in the world. Uh, just because I have an experience with God. Hey, it's a daily battle. Get that, folks. And start it out on your knees. And get in the word which will make you strong. And if you don't know him today, meet him. Because he's the savior of the world. And he died on the cross for you. He took that cup. The cup he didn't want to take. And he absorbed the punishment. And his blood flowed. And paid for my sin. For your sin. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you. I... Again, don't deserve to be used by you, but I, I, I feel your presence and know that, that you speak through your word. It's never void. I don't know the hearts here, Lord. You know every heart. I don't know any. Sometimes I think someone has a good heart, and I may say has a good heart. I don't know. Only you know, and we know our own heart. If there's anyone here, Lord, that doesn't know Jesus, that today they'll come. I don't care if if, if uh, you know, they've been saved 20 years or 10 years or think that and they realize they're not a Christian, help them to come. I don't care if they're a Sunday school teacher, Lord, and you don't either. You'll save them. And Lord, if there's anyone else here with any need and they need prayer that they come, we just ask you to bless, Lord, as we sing our invitation. Thank you for being here with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to stand and sing.